Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. Hello, friends. This is episode 49 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McKenzie. This is going to be an amazing season on the podcast. We've lined up a set of guests that we hope will inspire and equip you to help your whole family fall in love with books. It's season nine of the Read Aloud Revival, and you can expect a new episode of the podcast every other Tuesday. If you haven't yet subscribed to it, you're going to want to do that. There are two ways to subscribe, and you probably want to do both. First, you want to be on our email list because we always send the first news through email. So to do that, go to readaloudrevival.com and pop your email into the page there. We'll send you our very carefully curated list of favorite read-alouds. And then you'll also get a note from me each Tuesday morning with what's new in the read-aloud revival community. You definitely want to get those. The second way to subscribe is right in iTunes or on Stitcher if you're using an Android phone. That way, the new episodes of the podcast every other Tuesday, they'll drop right into your podcast app whenever a new one is ready for you. You can do that through iTunes or Stitcher. Just search for Read Aloud Revival and then make sure you hit subscribe. All right, season nine, episode 49. Let's get into it. Today, I have a fantastic interview to share with you. Let's get started. Whenever I share the TEDx talk called Why We Should All Be Reading Aloud to Children on the Read Aloud Revival Facebook page, the page blows up. And well, it should. This is an amazing talk. I've watched it a handful of times myself. And as soon as I saw it, I knew we had to have the speaker, Rebecca Bellingham, on the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Rebecca Bellingham is an instructor in the Literacy Specialist Program at Columbia University Teachers College. She studied education and teaching literature extensively, having earned a master's degree from the Shady Hill School's teacher training course in partnership with Leslie University, a master's degree in literacy specialization from Columbia University Teachers College, and a BA from Brown University. She's also got her foot in the theater world, and we're going to be talking about that today as well. Today, she's joining us to chat about why we should all be reading aloud to children, which is also the name of that terrific TEDx talk I mentioned (laughs) and that we'll be linking in the show notes. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me on the Read Aloud Revival. I am thrilled to talk to you today. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be talking to you and honored. Thank you. Well, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your family before we launch in? 
the big news is, is that we just moved from New York City to San Diego and a big cross country move with twin four year olds. Yeah, and, that's quite um, the endeavor there. <laughs> so it was a major endeavor. Uh, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. And we're just settling into life in San Diego and getting our roots sort of figured out here, getting settled here. And I'm making some big changes in my life too. I was an instructor at Columbia Teachers College. And now I'll be working in the San Diego School District and also doing some more theater work here, which is exciting. That is exciting. And I can totally, when you told me that you were in theater, I could, it was easy for me to picture it after watching your TEDx talk because you're just so engaging on stage. You have quite the presence. Oh, so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So the first time I watched your TED talk, I knew we had to chat with you because you're so joyful. There's just this enthusiasm that's overwhelming that you portray when you're talking about reading with kids. So tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. that. Where does that overwhelming enthusiasm come from? Well, you know, I love, first of all, I love stories. I love books. I love, and I love the idea that I can share that with kids in this powerful way of reading aloud to them. And I think kids also love books and love stories and love characters. And so it's pretty powerful and magical to watch kids be read to, you know? So, you know, I've read as I said in the talk, thousands and thousands of pages to kids. I've, you know, worked with kids for, you know, almost 20 years now. And when you read aloud to kids, it's this beautiful, magical moment where you see kids, you know, their eyes are wide open and they're hanging on every word and they turn to each other when something big is revealed and they're just swept up in the magic of the story. So it is this joyful experience of sharing a story with children who are so yearning for stories, who crave them, who need them, who love them. So to be a part of that moment with kids, it is joyful. I mean, I think that is the word. And I think that children are inherently joyful. I mean, most of the time they should be at least, you know, I think that um, Mm -hmm. so to be a part of their natural joy is a beautiful thing. And storytelling brings that out in them. It really does. And so that's why, you know, I'm passionate about the work and I'm, and I love doing it. Yeah, I love how in the TED Talk, you say that reading aloud gives kids a special kind of access. Mm. Tell me more about that. Talk about what you mean by that special kind of access. Well, it's interesting because the word special, you know, is, I wonder, you know, why did I say special kind of access? And I think part of it is, is that, you know, when, when you're reading aloud to children or when children are being read aloud to, they're being read aloud to presumably by a, an adult special to them in their lives, you know? So it's a special thing to have that intimate moment with kids where you are sharing a story together and you're giving them, you know, an entry point into the world of story. And kids, like I said, you know, need that, love that, desire that. And so, and for also for some kids, reading is not the easiest, you know, thing to do. It's it's hard work to read. And so you're giving them an opportunity to take part in a story that might be more difficult than they can read on their own independently. So for the, on the one hand, you're having this sort of special, intimate experience of reading a story with children. And also, you're giving them a way into the world of books and a way into the world of literature. You know, And sometimes you're giving them access to a story or a book that if they were to pick up on their own, they wouldn't be able to read very easily or with deep comprehension. And so you are taking care of that by dealing with the print, by reading it aloud, by reading it fluently, by using the voices. And suddenly, they're swept away into the world of story and they're having access to what it means to read a book and they're having access to what it means to feel engaged with literature. And that's really 
important and it is special. So that's why I think I call it that. Yeah, I really related to this because one of my sons was a pretty, you know, he struggled with reading for quite a while. And I think because we would read other stories out loud, you know, books that he would not be able to read on his own when he was struggling just through Mm -hmm. the phonetic, you know, journey of like figuring out actually how to decode those Mm -hmm. words on the page. It gave him that motivation, like, I want to be a reader because then I can uncover Mm -hmm. those tales myself. And if we hadn't been reading those aloud, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure he would have seen reading as anything other than just something that we have to do for school. Right. And it would be a struggle. And I think, you know, as you know, we just had a struggle to get onto Skype (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we did. to have this conversation. (laughs) And, you know, it makes me go, oh, I hate technology. Oh, I hate this. I don't want to engage in this world of technology because it's hard. And so when you have experiences that are, like we talked about before, joyful and engaging. And it takes away that piece of that. It takes away the struggle. It makes kids want to engage in book reading. It makes them want to be interested in stories and books. It it makes it not a struggle. It makes it fun. And that's sort of at the heart of reading. Reading should be fun. Reading should be joyful. Reading should be, you know, a feeling of being swept away and not a struggle. And so, you know, you can read aloud to kids books that otherwise might be a little too tricky or a little difficult. That, but that are beautiful and exciting and full of rich information and rich storylines that might be a struggle to read on their own. I recently read The Pleasures of Reading in an Age of Distraction by Alan Jacobs. Have you read that? By any chance? I haven't, but now I will. Okay, no, I, it is it is just delightful. It is wonderful. I was recovering from surgery, so I read it in like a day and a half. <laughs> so I was lounging oh, in bed, wow. you know. But I, one of the things he mentions is that reading is supposed to be, like, just exactly like you said, it's supposed to be, bring us pleasure and delight. And that when mm-hmm. you're a small child, all small children love books. They all love to be read to. It's, yeah. um, it's only yeah. when, exactly like you said, reading gets hard because we're, they're trying to do it on their own that they start to kind of form this feeling or this understanding of reading as something they don't want to do. And so I think we can trump those, those feelings by giving them really beautiful, warm, rich experiences mm-hmm. of getting swept away mm-hmm. in stories. Exactly like in your TEDx talk when you start sweeping us away in Charlotte's Web and it, you show us exactly what it feels like as a child to get swept away in a story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's special. That's access. That's, that's a special kind of access to the world of story that otherwise might be unavailable to kids if they can't read it on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's the adults then doing the hard work of decoding and reading mm-hmm. with the right kind of intonation and the cadence mm-hmm. and all of that. Exactly. All that. So right. good. You're doing a lot of things at once. You're doing a lot of things at once when you're reading. It's a very complicated cognitive process. You're doing a lot of things. And, and when you take away that decoding piece and that print piece and you just let kids listen and their listening comprehension, it tends to be a lot higher than what they can read on their own, you know, when they're dealing with the print. So it just, again, it gives them access to these really sometimes sophisticated, rich books that they otherwise might not have access to. Exactly. From your standpoint as a literacy instructor, tell me about the role that Reading Aloud plays there and what why it's important from that point of view. Well, it's important because it does so many things all at once. You know, like we talk about, it gives them an, an immediate entry point into stories and kids need stories. They crave them and delight in them. And they also need them because it gives them sort of guideposts for navigating the world around them. And it also, you know, reading aloud fuels interest and engagement and reading, which is essential to fostering kids' love of literature, which we, an interest in books, which, you know, and so that engagement and that interest both lead to real, true literacy engagement. So 
So there's, you know, there's that. And, you know, and just simply reading aloud to kids gives kids a sense of how it feels and how it sounds to read a book fluently. So even if you just read the book without ever stopping, just reading it in that, in that way where you're, where you're, you have, like you said, the cadence of the different characters' voices and you read it with expression and you get your voice kind of speeds up when it gets exciting and it slows down when something powerful, or important, or sort of turning points happening. Uh, just doing that gives kids a sense of what it feels like to be swept away. Or as one child I read once said, to be inhaled by a book. So just oh my gosh, reading it aloud. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful uh, way of putting it. So just giving them that feeling of being inhaled by a book, that's powerful, that's meaningful, that's valuable. But then when you add this interactive piece, you're also able to explicitly teach and model what powerful readers do as they read, which is essentially to think and create pictures in your mind as you read. And so when, you, when powerful readers read, they're thinking, they're feeling, they're wondering, they're asking questions. So you, know, you can have interactive experiences with Read Aloud where you kind of pause and you kind of model some of your own thinking. And then you also invite kids in to talk about what they're thinking and feeling and wondering. And again, it affects the internal conversation that they're having in their mind. So, you know, by doing that, by having those moments where you pause, you're showing them, you're modeling for them that readers, real readers think as they read and they wonder and they ask questions and they connect things back with what they read before. And you're also inviting them into conversation about the book, which is, you know, helping them to, when they go back to reading their own books, they have little conversations in their minds like, hmm, I wonder why the character did that or... I'm having this idea about this character, hmm, that fits with what we just read before. And so it affects the internal conversation. And it also kind of gets them excited to want to talk about the book with someone else. Because reading is also a social activity. You know, when we read a book, we want to talk about it with people. So it really does all those things all at once. But I do want to say that, you know, it's important to note that, again, like I said, just reading aloud on its own is valuable and, and beautiful and important. And we don't want to just, you know, we don't want to talk to death, the experience of reading a story. But reading aloud is also deeply instructional and can be deeply instructional, especially when you do add that interactive piece of, you know, thinking aloud and also inviting kids into conversation. Well, while you were talking, one of the things that one of the memories that just kind of popped into my mind was that I have read as an adult Alexander McCall Smith's series, The Number One Ladies Detective Agency. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with these? There's an I Africa. am familiar with it, but I haven't read them all. No, I okay. I, 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 of course, I'm familiar with them. But, yes. Okay. Well, I read the I first one and I thought, oh, th- I liked it. But it wasn't like, oh, this is amazing or anything. I just liked it. Then I stumbled across the second as an audiobook and I listened to it. This is back when I worked at the library and I would listen to mm. audiobooks on my commute. And I listened to it and I fell in love with the story. And I think it's because of the way that the narrator her accent was beautiful, first of all, but it also like helped oh, me pronounce sure. the words and the names. And it, you mm-hmm. know, a really good narrator who's reading aloud a story does that exactly like you said, does that work for you that helps you like fall into the story so you don't have to work so hard at it, even as an adult right. reader. So I can see how being read aloud a story makes it easier for our kids to fall in and kind of get inhaled by a book, like you said, than reading on their own, even because they get swept right. up in that kind of the theater mm-hmm. of reading aloud, really. Yeah, that's right. And the narrator makes all the difference. You know, it really makes a big difference who's telling, who's reading the story to you. Yes, and It really definitely. does have an impact. Actually, that reminds me. So for our listeners, if you want a good list of audiobooks for kids, we have a collection at the Read Aloud Revival. 
All you need to go do is go to RAR, like Read Aloud Revival, RARbooklist.com, and we'll send that to you for free. It's a whole book list. One of the categories there is best audiobooks. And we have separated those into audiobooks you can find at audible.com and also audiobooks that are free to listen to at LibriVox. Now, LibriVox has free audio stories that are fantastic to listen to, but some of the narrators are markedly better than others. And so what we have done is collected a list of the free books that we think are read aloud by the best LibriVox narrators. And you can get that whole list by going to rarbooklist.com. Okay, so let's talk about reading aloud to older kids, kids who can already read to Mm -hmm. themselves. So once they've kind of mastered, once Mm -hmm. they're fluent and they've mastered the decoding, what's Mm -hmm. the benefit of reading aloud at that point? Well, you know, it's the same thing. You know, books, just because kids are reading aloud and are fluent doesn't mean a, a whole range of books that are still a little bit beyond their reach, that are still pretty complicated and sophisticated mm-hmm. for kids. So even kids who are 9, 10, 11, there are books that they probably are dying to read or would love to read, but that are still, it would be a struggle, would be a little bit beyond their independent reading level and a book that would be a little bit tricky for them to read. So, you know, there's, so I mean, young adult literature now, I mean, children's literature is so beautiful and wonderful. And so many great options, like you're saying, you know, there's all these options you're talking about for audiobooks. And so just because they're older and reading on their own does not mean that they're able to read some of these books that are at these higher, and I think of them as, you know, I use the side reading levels by Fontes and Pinnell, but at these higher levels Mm -hmm. um, and so of text. So, you know, text can be very complicated and, and difficult. So, so you still are giving them again, access to more complicated stories, more complicated books. That's one thing. And also, the benefit is that kids at that at, in those older grades who are older are dying to talk about some pretty big social issues and some pretty important emotional things they're going through. And they sometimes don't know how to navigate some big choices they have to make. And stories can be a way to talk about those big things like friendship and parenting relationships and relationships with their parents or sibling relationships or even just, you know, the world at large, things that are going on in the world that are maybe scary or overwhelming or sensitive. And so a story being read by, you know, an adult that cares about you is a way to, you know, think about those issues and talk about them with your peers and in a safe way and in a, in a, in a meaningful way. So, and again, you're kind of creating a community around a story. You're creating a, a conversation around a story. So it's about the reading and about the comprehension and about the access, but it's also about the community you're creating around story. And it's about the conversations you're having around story and the conversations you're having around big issues that kids are going through when they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and that they want to talk about, they want to think about. And it's a safe and uh, meaningful way to do that. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? 
<laughs> fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. When you are talking about this, one of the books that just comes to mind immediately is Wonder, of course, by R. J. Palacio. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I think, okay, what a better way. To, I mean, if, if you were just to try to have sort of a didactic or kind of cold conversation with your child about what it's like for their peers who feel different than everybody else. It would and who not... hasn't felt different at some point, you know, growing yes. up? I mean, growing up is hard work. And most kids in the world feel, I mean, most people, most humans feel like they're outside sometimes. I mean, certainly not many of us have experience of being what it's like to be Augie, but to feel different or to feel, you know, disconnected or somehow other. I think a lot of kids relate to that, whether or not they have Augie's experience. Exactly. And reading the book together then gives them the vocabulary and this kind of experience outside of themselves they can talk about from a safe place and make some connections Mm -hmm. with each other and with the adults that they're talking to. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Certainly on your own is incredible experience. But imagine reading that book in the company of peers, in the company of friends, and in the company of a trusted adult who is reading it with you and talking to you about it and inviting you into conversation about it. That's a really life-changing, you know, powerful experience for kids. I agree. One of the books that I'm reading with my kids right now is Number the Stars by Lois Lowry. Oh, and my girls oh, one of my have favorite. read I know. It's such a powerful book, such a beautiful book. My girls have read it on their own, but my son, I was, he's really interested in World War II, but I was 100% sure that he was ready for the content and the actual real history, of, mm-hmm. um, right. especially without it's dialogue. Intense. Yes. So I didn't, right. I, he's exactly. quite capable of reading the book on his own, but I didn't really want him to because I wanted to be able to have this shared conversation where we could then talk out the things that I know are going to come up as a result of reading this right. book. So reading aloud gives right. us that, that opportunity. Yeah, to fill in some of the content that they're missing or fill in some of the information that they don't yet, that they're not yet aware of. And, you know, to help, you know, some of those books, some of these books like Number of the Stars are taking place in really intense, scary times. And you want to, you know, you are can, can help navigate, facilitate that experience and fill in background information and and help them make sense of what is, you know, the context around the story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Can you share a little bit about how you've combined your love of theater with reading over the years? And I know you've said that teaching and acting are actually kind of similar, right? (laughs) (laughs) They can be. That's true. They can be. (laughs) So, you know, I think the, the, the overlap for me is, you know, as a literacy instructor, I'm really in the world of story. It's about teaching children and now teachers how to teach children how to read and write stories and how to become swept away by stories, how to write them on their own, how to read them on their own, how to think about them. 
so the literature is really about the world of story and the theater is about stories. It's about telling stories. So me, the overlap is so clear and so connected. I love stories. I love reading them. I love telling them. I love performing in them. I love seeing them on stage. I, you know, so there's all those things feel very connected. I think that in both teaching and performing, this sort of need to be authentic and to really be truthful on stage and also in the classroom. And I think when you read aloud and you really step inside the world of the story and read it in truthful ways and really read it with intention and with, with your whole self, you know, with your whole heart, it feels similar in space being on stage and being part of the storytelling of a play, you know, and really being in it, being connected to it. And I think the kids notice the difference. You know, I think that when kids are in a room with you and you're reading a story where you're so connected to the words and you're really telling a story in this truthful way, they are more engaged in it. And that feels very similar to being on stage and really connected to your fellow actors and being connected to the story you're telling. So they're just just between both worlds to me. So, and I, something that really feels important to me is that all teachers, all adults who are reading aloud to their kids in their classrooms or in their, even at home, is that, and especially in the classroom, is that we can almost bring these, the magic of the stage to kids, to our classroom by the way that we read aloud. And that, you know, we can really almost transform the spaces of our classrooms into places of magic, like the stage is, you know, we can read it in ways that where kids feel like suddenly they're in the city of Baltique, which is from Kate DiCamillo's book, Magician's Elephant, you know, mm-hmm. the way that we read it brings kids to another time and place and makes them feel like they're, you know, almost inside the, the lives of these other characters, which is kind of how we still go to theater. And so we can create that kind of magic for kids in the way that we read aloud. And I think that that's sort of a, a human yearning be a part of moments like that, to be a part of, you know, artistic moments, beautiful moments of human connection and storytelling. And I think it's, I think that's why we go to the theater. It's why we go to movies. It's why kids love Red Tooth. So to me, there's a lot of overlap between the two worlds. So then do you have any actor's tips basically on how we could be better at reading aloud? Because <laughs> I think I hear what you're saying, which is that a book read aloud is wonderful, but a book read aloud well is like really incredibly mm-hmm. wonderful. <laughs> so help us with that. What would you tell somebody who says, I'm not very good okay. at it? Well, I think actually when adults close the door of their classroom, I think that they they have the capacity to be amazing at it. I think doing it in front of other adults, I think can feel that's where they might feel particularly bad. I think a lot of adults, when they get their kids in front of them, they really, they turn into actors. But I, I, I think I can give you some tips. So I just all kind of let yourself go there inside this story and really let yourself feel let yourself really be inside of it and live inside of it and take your you know take your time to really feel those moments that are the turning points or feel the moments that are full of emotion and kind of live inside of it so but more practically a really good tip is you know spend a little time with the first chapter to try to find the voice of the character or the voices of the different characters and so you don't have to like read the whole book and, you know, and play around, you know, with the whole, throughout the entire book. But if you read that first chapter, kind of play around with how does this character sound? How does this character kind of maybe move? And you just think about maybe a little physicality or a little, a little way of embodying the character that I love the book, The One and Only Ivan by Catherine Applegate. Yes. Do you know that one? I do. Okay. Yes. So I embody the different animals. Like there's Ivan, the gorilla, and I don't do anything crazy or anything that would feel too actory. But I just kind of sit 
kind of, you know, with kind of heavy, in, you know, when I, when I read Ivan. But when I, when I read Stella, who's the elephant, I just kind of tip my head a little bit and I put my arm out as like the trunk, just, just as I'm reading. And it kind of differentiates between Ivan and Stella. And then when I read Bob, who's a little dog, who's kind of a character, <laughs> I use a different voice and I kind of cock my head when I read him. And I just kind of found it in that first chapter. And then it carried its way through the book. And I think the other big piece is to almost make it visible to, you know, when a character reaches for something, reach for it. When a character, you know, touches his heart, touch your heart, like do the little things that they're doing. Again, little physical gestures that help kids see it just a bit more. And then my final tip would be, as you're reading it, to really look at the kids as you're reading it, to bring them into the experience of the book by really looking at them when something really important happens. Make eye contact with them. Look at them. You know, almost ex- have that exchange of feelings. And find moments, too, where, you're, where you slow down, where you say it more quiet, or when you speed up when things are exciting. So, you know, modulate your voice. The speed and also volume actually do a lot. So people who are mm-hmm. feeling uncomfortable. Actually, my friend Pam has a post. I'll link to this in the show notes. Where she does not like to use character voices when she's reading. But she's found that using things like speed and volume has done a lot toward helping her tell the story better, even if she doesn't do kind of as dramatic voices as I do, maybe. <laughs> right. Reading. It doesn't have to be big, just yeah. little alterations, you know, and I, I but I absolutely agree. Speed and volume make a huge difference. If you, you know, bringing your voice down, being quiet pulls kids in and then finding some moments where you really your volume goes up or it changes also changes the feeling in the room. So and one of the things I, I was rereading Jim Treleese's uh, Read Aloud Handbook just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and one of the things he says in there is that the biggest mistake he sees adults making when they're reading aloud to kids is just reading too fast. And so they don't give the kids long enough to like paint those pictures in their mind. But I even find that it's easier for me to read aloud allowed if it's if I slow down because it gives me a chance to see you know like when you're going to start reading dialogue yeah. and you don't know who said it yet if you slow down you give yourself enough time to kind of figure out what your cue should be as far as right. who's talking yeah sure. that gives you as a reader are able to pick that feeling what I was saying before like allow yourself to live inside of the story and if you go too fast you're not allowing yourself to really feel the different moments or speaking so I think slowing down is really important and also gives them a chance to kind of take a breath. Like we need to take a breath sometimes in the middle of reading aloud because we need to go, huh, that was really important what I just read or I just mm-hmm. thought something big and I just need a moment to kind of think about it or to just get that picture kind of up and going in my brain or to get that picture, even just to see it, just to pause on it, to linger on it for a minute, you know? And so, yeah, if you slow down, you can sort of, pause and take a breath, have a minute to think and, you know, have a question pop into your mind or see the picture really vividly in your brain, or to even just talk with a partner quickly about thinking or what you're wondering. And so I think you do need those kind of coming up for air for a minute, coming mm-hmm. up for air to, yeah. to solidify some of the thinking. Um, because if you just read it all the way through, kids need a break to go, oh my gosh, wait, I want to talk about that. Or, oh my gosh, I had an idea there that I want to just even think about in my own brain or talk with a partner about. And I also think another thing that, that I do a lot is I every now and then I go, oh my gosh, I think I want to read that again. 
mm-hmm. because that was either so important, I want to read it again and think about it more, or I want to read it again. There was so much information inside that little part. I want to make sure my brain got it all. So I want to read that again because I don't want to miss some of that important information. Sometimes pause for air, reread something that feels particularly important or full of details or full of information. So kids can linger. They can kind of lock it into their brains or think more about it. So good. Tell me some of your favorite books to read with kids. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> it feels like opening a huge can of worms, doesn't it? <laughs> well, there are so many wonderful books. I mean, the first one I have to say is I just love reading Because of Dixie by oh, Katie Camillo. I, yes. do, I really do love her work so much. And I just love that book so much. And it just, it just never fails. I mean, it's just such a great story. And, and, you know, what kid doesn't love a dog, you know, that's so endearing, like Winn-Dixie. So I just love that book. And I love Opal. So, but that's, you know, another whole story of all the characters I love in the world. But, <laughs> but I love because Winn-Dixie, I do, I, that's always my go-to. I also, again, it's another Katie Camillo. I love Magician's Elephant. And I think that book is, is really quite sophisticated and has all these different sort of overlapping um, strands and threads to the, how the different characters are connected. And I think, it can be a tricky book for kids, but it's so magical because it takes place in this fictional city over you know, a century ago. And, and it's, it's full of magic and it's sort of fantasy, but also so sweet. And the relationships are so beautiful. So I love that one. Yeah, Katie Camillo is a masterful storyteller. Yeah, she really is. I just think she's brilliant. And, and I, I've seen her give speeches, actually. I think she just seems like the most lovely person. So I, and I also love reading, like you said before, Number of the Stars. I've never read aloud Wonder, but I think I would if I was back in the classroom with kids. Like, like we were talking about having a way into those big conversations about, about kindness and about being different and about bullying and what it means to, you know, go through life when you feel so on the outside or so different. And mm-hmm. so I think that Home of the Brave is another one I, I, I like to read aloud. I don't think uh, I've read that, that, that one. one is, Who's that by? That's by Catherine Applegate, and it's okay. told in that verse. It's told in, you know, kind of the in verse. So it's sort yeah. of, it's, you know, sort of each chapter is almost like a poem. I mean, and it's, so I like that too, because it's a way to also, you know, it's a way to, to read a book that has some real lyricism to it and, and some really beautiful imagery. And, and it's, and so some of the work you can do around the poetry is also really nice. And, oh, there's so many. I, I do love reading the one and only Ivan and, yes. and I and all those great animal characters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so many, there's so many great books out there. To, um, there really there's is no new shortage. ones every year. I know it. There's I know it. no shortage. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so if you're listening and you're wondering which books to start with, we have a book list that has 12 different categories for you on best books to read aloud or not just the best books to read aloud, but just great books to read aloud. Because of course, like we're saying, there's no shortage of really wonderful books to share with kids. And you can get that at rarbooklist.com. Well, Rebecca, this has been just a delight as I knew it would be. I am wondering where our listeners can go to connect with you online. Well, I'm working on it. <laughs> so I'm working on developing my Twitter handle. Is that what you think? That is what um, it's called, I'm, yes. <laughs> is that what it's called? So I am, that's a commitment that I'm going to try to make now that I'm, you know, starting this new life in San Diego. Yes. I'm going to also start a new life of being a social media of doing these, this thing called Twitter and doing, doing, building a more active presence on social media. I am developing that. So I do have a, a Twitter handle. And so, so I will start doing, you know, some, some of that and, and I'm trying to do some website work under my name. So 
but and and maybe there'll be a book someday. I don't know. I, I hope there'll be ways that they can that listeners can, can connect with the work I'm doing, or they can just um, find me on Facebook. And I live in San Diego. Fantastic. We'll <laughs> make sure we link to your TED talk as well in the show notes. Yeah, and then your Twitter handle. By the way, since you're now in San Diego, somebody that you need to connect with there is one of my favorite people, uh, Melissa Wiley. She are you familiar with the Prairie Thief? It's a middle grade novel. I have heard of it. I don't know it well, but I have definitely heard of okay. it. Okay. So Melissa is amazing. She's a children's book writer who ha- she wrote the, she was commissioned to write the little house by the little house. Um, oh, yes. The yes. yes. Okay. So the Martha books. So I think those are about Laura's grandmother or great grandmother. I can't remember which. So she wrote those and then she wrote the Prairie Thief and she's written some early readers like Inch and Rolly make a wish. And gosh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Fox and I'm going to look it up really quick because I'm going to look here. Okay. Fox and Crow are not friends. And then the Inch and Rolly series. Anyway, you can find her website at melissawiley.com, but she's on Twitter and she's in San Diego. I had dinner with her last time I was in San Diego and she is just the most delightful person. And so she's totally someone you should connect with. I will definitely look her up. I'll definitely look her up. Uh, I'll definitely look her up. Yeah. And I forgot to mention one book that I also love that I read aloud actually last year. Yeah. And that I wanted to mention too, which is the, was the, was the award-winning, Newbery award-winning book by Kwame Alexander, The Crossover. That book also, I think, cries to be read aloud because it's told in this, you know, again, in those, in the, in the verses and poetry. And it just, it just is sings when you read it aloud. Awesome. We'll make sure we have links to all the books that Rebecca just mentioned in the show notes as well. So if you're trying to scramble and write those all down, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Head to readaloudrevival.com and look for episode 49. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a treat. Thank you so much. It was really fun talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. Hi, my name is Brooklyn. I'm 10 years old and I live in California. My favorite read aloud book is Little House on the Prairie, These Happy Golden Years. I like this book because it's all about how Laura falls in love with Almanza Wilder. And I just love the romance in it. It's so sweet. I am Megan Reese Obrum. I am 7 years old and I'm almost 8. I live in Angola, Luanda, in Luanda, Angola. I, my favorite book is The Run, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I like the part when Lucy first goes through the wardrobe. Hi, I'm Abby. I'm six years old, and I live in Virginia. My favorite book is Oz, a whole series of books. The first book you might know, it's called The Wizard of Oz. It goes way beyond the first book. And some of those characters that are in the other books are like Jack Pumpkinhead and the Gnome King and the Sawhorse and the Hungry Tiger who's very hungry but then doesn't want to hurt anyone or hurt anything. And there's adventures like stuck in a big elevator that was underground and on these rocks that are rubber and then they would just bounce you back and water 
that isn't wet, you could just walk through it and your clothes would just be totally dry. My name is Molly. I'm eight years old. I live in Tennessee. And the book of it is Just So Stories by Kipling. And my favorite character is Taffy. And one of the stories is called How the First Letter Was Written. And I like Taffy in it. My name is Marilyn and it's three years old. And I'm three years old and I live in Tennessee. It's my favorite part was the S because it was made out of a snake. What book is it? It's called the uh, How the Alphabet is Made. And I like that. What's your favorite character? My favorite character is Taffy's dad. Hello, my name is Maya, and I'm six years old, and I live in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. And my favorite book is The Voyage of the Dawn Treader because Eustace was bad, but then he became good. Hi, my name is Ellie, and I live in Kingston, Ontario, in Canada. And I'm five, and my favorite book is Betsy Tazy because they help each other a lot. And Betsy is really nice. Quiet Haas. My name is Silas. And I'm from Wigan, Ontario. From Kingston, Ontario. And my favorite book is War Dragon. You like my father's dragon? Yeah. What do you like about it? Because... The most keep messing up things. Keeps messing up things. Yeah. Hi, my name is Bruno Kudarski. I'm nine years old and I live in Minnesota. I'm reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I'm in the middle of the book where they're finding out about this wizard, but he just met Dumbledore, and I'm just about to find out about Nicholas Flamel. Hello, my name is Dane in Minnesota. I am almost eight, but right now I am seven. Okay, and what book are you reading? Um, Joy Cry, Private Eye, and Crawly Cry. And why do you like it? Because this, there's bugs and there's a scorpion boy, and I like it. It's funny, funny, funny. Hi, my name is Aubrey Hunt, and I'm six years old. I come from Virginia. My favorite book is The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. I like it because Edward, who is a china rabbit, he learned to love, and he went through different places all around the world. At the end, he went back to his owner, Abley. Hi, my name is Sam, and I'm four years old, and I'm from Virginia. And I like, and my favorite book is My Father's Dragon. I like it because Homer, a brave boy of mine, rescued a baby dragon from a cloud at the island from, of, of Wild Island. He couldn't get back to his cloud. And this is why I like My Father's Dragon. Hello, my name is Will Pitts. I'm five years old. I come from Texas, and my favorite 
book is Fantastic Mr. Fox. I like the part whenever he goes to Boggus's chicken house number one. Thank you, kids. I love hearing what books you're enjoying most. If your child would like to leave a message to be aired on the Read Aloud Revival podcast, head to readaloudrevival.com. You'll find out how easy it is to leave us a message, and they get to be heard by tens of thousands of listeners, which is, of course, super fun. Remember, show notes for this episode are at readaloudrevival.com. Just look for episode 49, and you definitely want to get yourself on the email list. Episode 50 will be ready for you in two weeks, and we're going to be chatting about reading books with preschoolers and the very simple projects and play that can be sparked from books, even if you're not one of those moms that likes to hang out on Pinterest and do all kinds of, you know, complicated thematic projects. That's not me. (laughs) So I'm going to be talking to Jennifer Pepito all about the simple play and projects that can be sparked from books with the smallest people in your family. That'll be ready for you in two Tuesdays. Until then... Go build your family culture around books. 